Everybody and welcome to this episode of Project Shadow. My name's Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, and I'm Brian. Hey, we're, we're we're together, and we actually sound like on the same plane. <laughs> Yay! We doesn't doesn't sound weird. At least I hope it doesn't sound weird. Um, all the tests sounded sound good. Weird. Oh. We are those people. So today it's time for us to talk about the newest episode of Star Trek Discovery and I wrote my husband in on this because it's our anniversary when I'm recording this and I can. The power <laughs> of the ring compels me. If only it were green and I could do other things with it. But I, I know myself and I would actually have a blue ring. Yeah. Or Lord help the universe, it might be a red one. I have a bit of a temper. Probably blue. <laughs> Probably blue. At least if, if if I did a poll of people who know me, they would probably say blue. Anywho, so enough Green Lantern talk. I'm sorry, I've been rereading old Jeff John's Green Lanterns lately, so I'm really like in a place and I'm probably gonna do an episode about it. So if you want to get caught up, it's one of the reasons I'm still paying for DC Universe. They're there. And like all all the way through Blackest Night, I think the Brightest Day stuff's there too. But I know I saw all the way through Blackest Night, so I can finally get caught up. And if you can hear in the background, that's my lovely dog Sasha. She's actually dribbling a tennis ball. Yeah. Yeah, she's learned how to dribble. So she's probably going to be making noises because she doesn't understand why we're both together and not playing with her. I so. would make a video of this for you all to enjoy, but she stops immediately when the camera comes out. Yeah, and she plays does. Stupid. She does. It's it's quite remarkable. But so you'll probably hear some of the dog running around, and I apologize for that. We tried to get her to calm down, and she's, she's just she's excited. I'm here. Yeah, <laughs> she's like he's home, and now she's playing with the cat. So you may get to hear our lovely cat meow, which has been a feature of the podcast for a while. Yeah. Okay, so Star Trek uh, Discovery, or as I've been calling it, how much Trek could a Star Trek Trek of a Star Trek could Trek Trek, is really like doubling down on its Star Trekiness. Like I really feel that their their commitment to being no, 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 we're Star Trek, we're Star Trek. Look, techno babble charts. Look, we're doing. It's all Star Trekky. It's 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 Star Trekky beyond Star Trekky. We're having conflicts over general order one and yeah and and a very interesting actual debate about the prime directive which yeah. a lot of prime directive episodes are prime directive episodes yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest but I, I i think the use of the prime directive in this episode was interesting we'll talk about that a bit more in the spoilers part all in all i actually liked this episode better than the first which is good that like i liked the first episode and i like this one more so that's growth in my amount of liking star trek discovery for me the the lack of humor in it like i'm not saying that it was all deadpan like all of a sudden back to season one deadpan no humor everybody's sad and tragic it, it didn't do that but yeah like there was episode one was too funny 
Like it, it felt <laughs> much more like it was trying to be, hi, we're Star Trek meets Guardians of the Galaxy. Funny. Uh, Orville. Yeah. Uh, it felt very Orville. Yeah, it had a very had, Orville had a, feel. And it was almost like. Especially with the elevator gag. Yeah, the elevator gag was. A like, bit Orville for me. Yeah. Which, don't get me wrong, I love the Orville. I'm actually thinking about doing a one of the weekly episodes about the Orville just to give it equal time. But I don't know that I have much to say other than it was good. But I have a lot to say about Star Trek because Star Trek. Um, I, what, okay, uh, I can't talk about that till spoilers. Basically, the gist of this episode is yet another signal goes out another red flare goes out and they go to investigate it that's the setup i'm hoping this isn't going to be the setup of every episode because i'm suddenly having like flashes of um constantine with the ble- blood marks on the map or yeah um both i think both buffy and um supernatural had the scrying stone yeah they had a little period where they were like well we're just gonna make it this an easy MacGuffin to string along all these episodes yeah and I, I get it that the whole mystery of the season is you know what is the red angel which i'm allowed to say outside of spoilers because it's in the trailer for the season that came out before episode one so i'm allowed to say that, say that without being a spoiler but that that kind of wears then on me my biggest gripe about this episode is actually just a stupid thing. There, There's a moment where we see them transporting, and all I could think is, I miss the glitter. <laughs> like, it's a much better yeah. effect now, but, yeah, you know, there was something about the old school where they the used sparkles. the glitter in the cup, the sparkles yeah. in there, where you got this idea that they were being, you know, molecularized and chopped up and stuff. Yeah. And... I don't know, there's something about not having the sparkly, because the new transporter effect doesn't have the sparkly in it. It's just kind of flashing lights and then they fade out. I, I, it, I just had a weird moment of... It, it, it's the only thing that really took me out of the episode was literally the transporter effect, and I went, I miss the sparkly. And I oh, just wow. had a moment. But, uh, sorry, so you I, can, I, I had a controversial thought. I went... Yes, like all lazy plating and modern day plating where they do the ugly schmear. <laughs> it's just a streak and then they're yeah. gone. But I, actually the streak kind of helps to give the illusion that it's uh, being beamed up. And, you know, I can, I get it. Like there's been an evolution through the TV series and the movies and then to the Kelvin movies, which these are supposed to be ignoring. Um, that they take a lot of visual cues from. But as we've talked about before, I'm okay with that because a lot of kids, their first experience with Star Trek was the J.J. Abrams movies. Um, last thing, anything else before we get to spoilers? It was a good episode. I, yeah, I really enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, it was a very good episode. Uh, and it felt very Star Trek. It felt actually yeah. like something that would have been on the next generation. It felt almost like a lost script from next gen. Yeah, yeah. Not in a bad way, you know. The characters were the characters. It wasn't, oh, that's the Riker, that's the Picard. It wasn't, li- li- not in that way. But it, it felt like a leftover script from TNG. It felt like something that would have been on that show. Which is high praise. Yeah. It's, it's Next Generation's my second favorite Star Trek series. Um, but I, I like goading people with the fact that Deep Space Nine's my favorite. Yeah. Because, you know, it, it, it gets people. 
I don't know why, but it does. So now we're going to go into spoilers because there's really not much we can talk about in this episode without spoiling something from the episode. So if you have yet to watch episode two of season two, New Eden, go watch it. Come back. Do it now. Do it. It was, very, it was very good. Okay, so you have no excuses if you hear a spoiler and you don't want to because you've been thoroughly warned. Okay, so the basic plot of this episode is they see a flash of the red thing, and then I'm going to break away from our plot synopsis for a second. They bring the spore drive and the tardigrade up again. Yeah. And I, I really thought with the lawsuit... They would, like, not be doing the tardigrade thing. But they seem to really, like... They may have... Well, it's quite possible they... When they... They settled, right? No. Oh, it's still on. Oh, no. They're sued. They they countersued, and it's been a... Oh. It's a mess. Oh. No, it's... Okay. It's a mess. For anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about, there is an independent game developer who is working on a game for... On the Steam Greenlight. And I think the name of the game was Tardigrade. I think that was the actual name of the game. And without getting into a lot of details, um, it has some significant plot similarities to the first season of Star Trek Discovery. Yet it was done like two years. It was started like two years before Star Trek Discovery. And uh, he's suing them for basically ripping off his intellectual property rights. And we'll see. Um... CBS has been very petty in court, and I thought because they were doing the because this season very much is a reboot of the series, they just would have dropped the tardigrade. I was surprised when they mentioned it in the first episode because, but then I thought to myself, well, they're packing up the spore drive because there is a scene in the first episode where they're packing up the spore drive because they're not allowed to use it anymore, and then in this episode they're like, we're gonna unpack the spore drive and use it. Because the tardigrade, and the tardigrade, and the tardigrade, and they mentioned it like three times, and I was just like, oh. Yeah. Okay. Oh, boy. Yeah, I didn't think you were going to go there, but you did. For reasons that are just starting to feel a little bit petty. Yeah, at at a glance, I thought they had already settled and the whole thing was done, because just at a glance looking at it, it looked, the case looked really solid. I mean... I'm I'm shocked. To, well, I shouldn't have been shocked because you know, but I am kind of shocked that they're actually fighting it. And well, these are the same people that sued Axanar because their fan film was quote unquote too good. Yeah, yeah. Here, so thanks, yeah. Palm. <laughs> so you know, it is CBS. Yeah. So I couldn't believe that. But anyway, so we hook Stamets back up to the spore drive and he's all afraid that he's going to see Hugh again, which I'm like, okay, big plot point for this episode because it's in the previously on sec- segment. They showed when he saw Hugh in the spore, while he was in the mycelial network in the last season, he brings it up, has a long, very heartfelt talk with Tilly Actually, about I, it. That was one of the things I thought was really cool because the the way the manner in which he approaches that conversation talking about how fungus is kind of the end and the beginning of life and that the mushrooms don't forget and he's like explaining to Tilly how he ran into him again in there and there's the possibility that he may be on the other side of something and the mushrooms may be also a bridge there 
which leaves you going, well, it was a bridge to another dimension. Is the other side just another dimension? It was it was really interesting because they were able to kind of bring these thoughts up and and touch on this all in this little heartfelt moment of him just kind of going, this is why I really don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it because y'all need It'll take us 150 years to go there because I'm supposing they're making Transwarp still a thing. And that's the difference between the next gen and the... Actually, it takes place in uh, Star Trek 2. No, 3. Star Trek 3, where we get the introduction of the Excelsior and its new Transwarp drive. Which is a different kind of warp and a faster kind of warp. And that's the general delineation point in canon between the slower warp of the original series, which is why they couldn't travel as fast and as far in the movies. There's a whole talk about the Excelsior in Star Trek 3, which is is why it goes out and it's not ready yet, but it is literally the fastest ship there is because it has this new trans warp drive. Like turning a 40 watt speaker up to 11 and wondering if the volume's even on and having a 400 watt speaker turn up to 11 and the neighbor's calling the police on you. Yeah. It's also the explanation for why in the original series you could hear Sulu say such things as we're at warp 15. Yeah. In one episode in shock and then finding out that 10 is a hard limit in the next gen. Yeah. Star Trek three search for Spock. I find it funny that we kind of get this weird meta reference to the Transwarp Drive here because this is an entire season about the search for Spock and what Spock's after and the ever quest of all Star Trek series never to acknowledge that Cybok existed. Yep. There is no Cybok. He's off feeling people's pain. (laughs) I do want like one weird moment of like, Michael running into him at some point and not knowing because like Spock never said anything about him. Sarek never said anything about him. And then actually I don't, I could see it more like her just going you, you know, cause like, <laughs> like, cause you know, I could see him sitting her down and going, you know, you must be careful of your human emotions cause it can lead you astray and going, even Vulcans can succumb to this and then telling the dark tale of Cybok and, you know, and she runs into me like, you. <laughs> you know, like, because they've been yeah. very careful to never mention him again after Star Trek V. Oh, yeah. And I, I just, like, I get that he's, like, significantly older than Spock, so I can excuse him not being in the house and still existing, you know, in the flashback that we got. But I, I, I don't know. I I have a perverse love I of Cybok. I hope he would show up this season, because that would be hilarious. I, I love me a good hippie Vulcan with a sense of humor who wants to go to the center of the galaxy to meet God. Yeah. Maybe this is the stuff that sets him loose on that quest. Think about Starts it. I mean, the whole that's quest. what, yeah, this that's what I'm perfect. saying. He's so perfect for this season. Yeah, some of the experiences from the season would yeah. be, yeah. Yeah, he's absolutely perfect for this season, because this is like the prequel oh, to no. Star Trek V. Spock and Cybok break free from the mental ward. That's where he's hiding. <laughs> and then he starts oh. his quest through the search oh. for God in the center of the universe. That, that would make oh. me so happy. That'd be glorious. I, I, yeah, I would. <laughs> I, I, I know they're not going to do that, but I really yeah. want them to do that. I really want the them other to do reason, that. The, the actual real reason why Spock didn't want the family to know and, and had that order and under seal or not, you know, like 
client, per, you know, whatever the pr privacy rules that exist is actually so that they wouldn't see that Cybok was there too. Okay, so the next short that I want, <laughs> the next short track that I want yeah. is Spock and Cybok in counseling at the space, at the Starbase. At the Starbase, yeah. Just cause. Yeah. It'd be like, brilliant. I want it to be a glass parody. So that they're all in the awkward lighting with the strange lights going through and Cybok acting all crazy because he's the crazy Vulcan. Cast somebody that looks very much like, you know, like the current actor for Spock and have them sitting across from each other on the table. So they're almost doing like a mirror mirror thing. Yeah. Except for opposites. Yeah. You know. I, yeah. Uh, and the counselor sitting at the other end of the table yeah i kind of need that to be a it's thing. Like, a, like a square table you know yeah note to, C note to cbs if you're listening and i know you're not because i haven't received a lawsuit yet um <laughs> well i mean i'm talking about Wait, star here we trek. go tardigrade there. tardigrade yeah tardigrade um yeah i'm talking about star trek and you know they have yeah. problems with that so yeah okay we've been going on for a little bit after the break i promise we're going to talk about the show in more detail We'll be back in one moment. And we're back. Okay, so... Uh, Welcome back. <laughs> there's so much in this episode to talk about. Okay, so the New Eden itself is an interesting idea. They are refugees that were picked up by the Red Angel during the Third World War and transplanted to this place. They were huddling in this church after um, when a nuclear bomb was set off. And somehow dropped on them. Yeah. Was somehow <laughs> transported to this place by the Red Angel. Um curious how that why that happened. That that's one of the things that I really need for this season. I kind to of a make millennia sense. vibe from it because it was like they were yanked out right at that moment just before death. And th this transplanted Yeah, this really makes me think more you know, we've talked on the show and I've talked of course with you about my theory that this is gonna be about the progenitors. And remember, the progenitors in Star Trek lore had two functions. They seeded life throughout the galaxy. And that's why Klingons and Klingons, Vulcans, humans, Cardassians, um, Bajorans, and others can have babies together um, because they come from a common stock. Um, though that does tend to not work as well with episodes like, oh, what was it, that weird de-evolution episode of deep space nine um, no, of uh, next generation they did where deanna troy turns into a fish and um Worf turns into a beetle monster yeah and all that that that, that kind of works against the progenitor thing that they've done I in all the other shows but, um blame everything on q that's just because you've uh, met john delancey he went in there and snuck a fly into the jar <laughs> suddenly the meat had stuff all over it but the whole story of the progenitors is that they died out a long time ago. But with them saving this one particular, it was almost like a a, a, a bottle. Like here, we're going to save this specimen of humans and put them over here so that at least this part of the experiment doesn't, you know, end. Yeah. It doesn't end there. And I really get that feeling. But if you, if you ever wonder why when you watch Star Trek, they keep running into humans. Like, people that are physically indistinguishable from humans, like, not even with, like, little ridges on their noses or other things. The progenitors seeded humans 
throughout the galaxy. That, that's the in canon. There are numerous episodes of various series that mention this. Um, you actually get to meet two of the progenitors in the original series. Um, three, actually. Um, Sargon and a name that has not aged well with the internet. And um, T- um, Talisa and um, Heyman, I believe is the third one. The one that, pre- that possesses Spock. But, you know, I, I, I find it interesting, this idea that they couldn't figure out who had saved them. They, they all kind of accepted divine intervention because, well, yeah, you're all huddled in a church and somehow survive a nuclear holocaust. Okay, yeah, I, I get the assumption there. Um, I find it very interesting that they suddenly became space Unitarians over mm-hmm. it. Yeah. That, that's, <clears throat> that is a very interesting notion. Instead of, you know, concocting their own religion around the Red Angel, the Red Angel apparently plays a part in their faith, but, you know, they basically just amalgamated all the religions that they had available to them, which is apparently all of them. Because there was apparently a Shinto in the group. I, I just found yeah. that interesting that like, I was like, okay, I can see a Christian, a Jew, and a, and a Muslim, and a Buddhist all being, okay, and a Hindu. <laughs> I, I get, I've been to New York, you know, I mean, you walk down the street, I mean, you grab a hundred people off the street, and yeah. Yeah? Yeah. And then they're like Shinto, and I'm just like, okay. okay that's interesting. That's interesting. Not that there aren't people that practice that religion, but that, you know, just happened that at least somebody there was Shinto. Just like, that was weird. Um, Especially since, like, they don't have a scripture. So I don't know what they got included in the big book of pasty art that was there. But anywho, that's beyond the point. Wicca. That was also, I thought, an interesting call out in that section. Um, I know a lot of Star Trek fans that'll probably be happy that Wicca got a shout out on Star Trek. And it works basically like you would expect. They explore, they get caught, they get uncaught, they have more quandaries. I mean, in a lot of ways, like that that part of the story was as Star Trek as a Star Trek can Very Star Trek. Yep. Like, There's even a reason why the ship can't intervene. They're re- <laughs> they didn't get called away. They didn't get called away on another urgent mission, but they're... Is a whole but other reason why they can't. Sort of did, but sort of did. The urgent missions in orbit, but it's still. And that brings us to away. Tilly. Yeah, I know Tilly is a controversial character. I I, I listen to other people talking about. Of course she is. I really like her, which means she's got to be controversial. She's got to be controversial. Uh, <laughs> some people like her. Some people really don't like her. I love Tilly. Tilly is one of my favorite characters on the show, other than. I don't know, character, you know, heterochromia, who I don't know her real name, so I'm sorry. Like, they said her name, I think, a total of twice in the entire series up to this point. They made sure to say it in the first episode of the season, though. Yeah, but it's just mainly (laughs) because I like the look and I want more backstory on her. She's the one that's got two different eye colors on the bridge with the weird cybernetic implant. I don't know. In my head, she's heterochromia because that's having... She's driving since 10. Yeah. 12. 12. She's had her license since 12. Oh, yeah, license since 12. She's had her flight license since 12. Yeah. So we're learning more about Commander Heterochromia, <laughs> but I do want more. 
So Tilly is trying to help Stamets and the like bromancy, I don't even know what to call it because it's not even like fruit flyity or any of that. Like they have a very special relationship. Like yeah. I, I don't know what to call it because you know. They've been on adventures together, man. They yeah. a brotherhood. Yeah. There's a little sister big brother thing going on between the two of them that I rather enjoy. But she's trying to save Stamets and decides to i don't know do things with the crazy heavy rock thing that could destroy everything if she messes it up by herself because reasons yeah like computer's just like yeah just a slight screw up and and, and it's doom it's like yeah yeah computer i know this i'm good and so fire the laser <laughs> fire the laser i'm gonna terminate the laser because bad things are happening don't stop the laser i'm almost done uh, so tilly talks to ghosts yeah, okay, so I had suspicions when that character first showed up. And then when she, then, then on the first episode, so then we get to this one, and she's sitting in the med bay and having this fit, and then the, the other, um, uh, I can't remember the name, but the, the, you know, she comes bouncing in to yeah. talk to Tilly, and I was just like, okay. I got a feeling like you're not here or I was starting to think maybe this was one of the, the, the red angels, you know, disguising herself to help. She was oddly convenient. And yeah. And then, and then oddly convenient after that, cause she really does help to nudge things along. Yeah. Edge some questions and stuff. And I'm just like, uh, huh. So this is where, here's my current theory. By the end of this season, Star Trek is going to get sued by Square Enix because we're going to find out that the River of Souls is actually traveling along the Mycelium network and the Red Angels are actually the Guado from Guadalajara who are there to make sure that the River of Souls... Yeah. No, no, I'm laughing because I went, no, actually what 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 we're going to find out is by the Halloween episode, they're going to notice dark what looks like puddles up in the corner of some of the ceilings and some of the spaces and that they've actually through the mycelium network ripped open tears to the uh, nether dimension and there's seepage coming through and residue we're gonna gonna get residue residue (laughs) the best prequel to stranger things that wasn't a prequel to stranger things yeah check it out if you can i can't remember actors names right now because my brain's broken but Basically, look for the residue that has, like, everyone from Game of Thrones in the cast. Because, like, everybody that was in the yeah. cast was on Game of Thrones at some point. And... Enjoy. Yeah. yeah it's, it's Especially if you do that and then go back and watch Stranger Things, because it's like... Yeah, yeah it's, it's an odd, almost oddly, prequel. Yeah. Or actually, it would be sequel series, because it's sequel. set in the modern day. Yeah, that's so they right. Tried it should be the, a sequel. Yeah, they would have yeah. tried the experiment again. And accidentally caused residue. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's several things called Residue. This is a small series, British produced. I can't remember. I can't remember anybody's name. Yeah. But she also played Nymphadora Tonks. I can't think of her name. She was the slave girl, Wildlane from Game of Thrones. I'm completely blanking. Anyway, she's in it. It's very good. Yeah. Definitely check it out. Um, yeah, I... I, I'm assuming that that's either what happened as a result of the flare 
thingy from the asteroid or that's what that Actually, little spark was that I'm, fell on her shoulder in season one i think you're right when you call that out that little spark that landed on her shoulder in season one um that she's you know like sam is having this whole like okay there's other stuff stamens yeah sounded like you said samus and i'm just like okay that's another video game company that's gonna sue them <laughs> <laughs> oh who knows i mumble at times uh <laughs> um that uh you know that that she also is now starting to experience this but it does give them another thing to share together yeah mm, more bonding yeah bonding over ghosts of past I, I, I'm interested to see what they're doing with that and where they're going with that. And I'm hoping that I'm not very uh, let down at the end. Yeah, because it's, it's, for me, it's still a toss-up. Is it Ghosts of Pass or is this actually more of the Red Angels? Like, is it is it going to turn out that they're going to be able to reach back and go, well, it was the Red Angel that took the form of, you know, the, his former lover and doctor and helped them all get back to the dimension and then decided, well, since they have this wonderful drive that can jump around, they could actually be a useful tool to help save and fix things for them. And now Scooby and the gang are being tricked with a red flare to run all over the galaxy and fix stuff for them. So my current theory is that James Cameron (laughs) is going to end up suing somebody because what we're going to end up finding out is that the mycelial network is the glowy trees from Avatar. <laughs> and that's what they actually are in Avatar. They're the glowy trees that's the mycelial network stretching into our universe through some weird nexus on Pandora. And that these are the uploaded mind bits of these characters and not actually them. Because I, with the exception of the Bajoran characters... And that one episode of Voyager where she might have died and got to see the ship of the dead, um, the bark of the dead. Yes. Um, um, Torres. Yeah, Belana Torres. I, they haven't really taken a position on life after death in this series. Yeah. In any of the series, except for that one, which very strongly hinted at maybe. Um. Yeah. And Spock, who's apparently a fixed point in time. <laughs> well, remember, the whole thing with Spock can easily be, if you want to get rid of souls, it can be written away because he literally downloaded his mind into Dr. McCoy and then got cloned on the planet yeah. and transferred his mind out of Dr. McCoy into the clone. Yep. So they can get around that. Because the way they've done Katras in all of the series is yeah. it's basically a download, sometimes into a living crystal. Square Enix, are you listening? I'm just saying. Great ideas come from video games. Apparently. All in all, I, I, I'm really con- confused about where they're going with the ghosts. I'm not opposed to them. But... You've given me ghosts... Angels and space Unitarians. I'm not sure where you're going with this. Oh, and Spock in a mental institution. That'll be fun. I do hope that... that one of the things that I really want them to do with this, and I feel like they're going to do, is explain why 
he knows what a Hibbert is with this. Like, this is going to deal, like, of all the weird plot threads they're tying together, this is going to be the explanation as to why he wasn't a Hibbert and why he was able to deal with this space hippies when they met the space hippies because this was like the time that he was kind of a space hippie and he was looking for space eden and we've already kind of found space eden but it's not really space eden but it could be space eden and he yeah 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 i'm sorry i I just i feel like they're doing the whole solo movie with this season where i just really feel like they're trying to explain certain things to us to make other like to prove their star trekiness we're going to have a moment at some point this season where we go oh they're explaining why this happened in the original series that's why spock's here so that's why he feels like he owes his life to pike and would risk his career for him and oh that's why he this that and the other like they're going to smooth over his backstory some of the weirdnesses of his backstory from the original series because well they got to get it done like a uh, tribble in an execution tube <laughs> oh my i don't know if you brought that up in the previous episode no but I, I didn't i had to i didn't anytime they mention tribbles i have to yeah really focus in on that so i piecing together the history of tribbles as they go try to put that together through various episodes and various series so all in all good episode really liked it it left me like i think a show like this should with more questions than answers but not in an annoying way like it was a complete episode in and of itself the story had a beginning middle and end but continued the overall meta narrative that they're going for for the entire series season and that's a plus because that's something that it did not do in season one. The episodes just kind of began and ended and we moved on to the next, which is why it really should have been bingeable in season one. Season one, much easier to watch when it's bingeable because yeah, with few exceptions and I very few exceptions if you cut Henry Mudd out because most of the ones that have very clear beginning, middles and ends deal with Henry with Mudd. The monster. Who, by the way, if you watch none of the short tracks, you have to watch the watch one with that Mud. one. Watch that one. It's called The Escape Artist. It is amazing. You get a I list of some one. of his crimes. It's glorious. It's glorious. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. So, I, that's all I have to say. Yeah. Okay. De- definitely better than season one. Still enjoying it. Um, I think it's giving the Orville a run for its money. The Orville's not been bad this season. It's not no. like it's only got bad, but they actually have competition from Star Trek this year, which makes me feel good. It's not like last year where it's like, at least we have the Orville. Yeah. No, we got two Star Trek shows. And yeah. soon we'll have two more because reasons. Extra trickiness. Yeah. All right. If you enjoyed this episode, please like it or rate it or this entire series, whichever it is. If you can, give us a rating in the app that you're listening to us on. Please, please do. It helps out so much. It tells the algorithms that it should share the podcast with more people. And the more people 
the more people. Because I'd really like to actually set up a Discord server so we can talk about all these strange things with each other. But I'm holding off because I feel like there's nothing sadder than a Discord server with two people on it. Or one I'm on a couple of those. They're sad places. So I want to get a good audience going so we can do that. So we can have talks with each other. So please share. Um, please rate. Especially if you're listening in, in Apple Podcasts. It makes a huge difference over there. If you got a buck you can throw my way, in the show notes you'll see a link that says support on Anchor. If you click that, you can support at the $1, $5, or $10 levels. That money does help out a lot. It got the new fancy mic that Brian is peeking on through this entire episode because he gets excited. And now the mic can pick it up. <laughs> and now the mic can pick it up. Um, but thank you. Thank you to everyone who's made it possible for us to get Vellum and Worldographer. You guys, thank you so much. If you don't have any money or you don't feel like giving right now, that's fine. Just share the podcast with more people because, like I said, more people with more people. Get a community going. Have some more fun. If you want to follow me on social media, best place is CE Dorset on Twitter. You can find links to all my social media over at projectshadow.com. I've got a lot of stuff in the works, so definitely follow me on Twitter if you want to keep up with all that because, yeah, I accidentally started writing a new novel the other day. By accident. Like, didn't mean to do it. Like, out on the break, out on the deck going, oh, it's nice, it's cold. Ooh, that's a pretty little thing. What are you? And then the next thing I know, I've got like 2,400 words written and going, huh, that, that sounds like the beginning of a novel. So, yeah, lots of stuff going on. Follow me on social media. Keep up with that. If you would, please go to anchor.fm, download the Anchor app, and follow Project Shadow over there. Then you'll see a button that says voice message. You can leave me a me up to a one minute message. It can be a question, a comment, or a topic you'd like to hear discussed on the show. I like doing episodes based on those. I've actually done a couple. I really like doing it. So keep it clean and maybe I will use yours on an upcoming episode. Until next time, I'm Charlie. I'm Brian. And don't forget to have the fun. Have the fun. Bye. <laughs>